everyone. Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast with the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and I've got my really good friend and partner here, Mark Freeman. What's up, dude? <laughs> I'm good. Don't man. laugh at me just because I whacked the mic stand. I didn't. I guess I didn't realize the depth of this thing. With right authority here. too. That was, I know that was it was impressive. authority. It was, it was authority, which which I would say my partner and friend. Oh, man, I appreciate that. That's right. It makes me feel good. Hey, uh, thank you so much for joining us in our our Cultivate Podcast. And if you were here. For our last episode, we kind of started delving into kind of some really some big picture questions about what it is we really believe about where truth is, about God's word, about the Bible, how to understand it. And so uh, we really, I guess the, the the first topic was kind of the really big one. You asked a big question. You remember what it was? Yeah, I wrote it down. <laughs> where do Christians find truth? Right. Where do Christians find truth? And we talked about epistemology, kind of the, the study of that, the study of how do we dis- determine whether or not we believe something to be capital T true. And our answer to that really was, it's from God, and God has revealed himself primarily through Jesus, and we learn about Jesus primarily through his word. And that we believe that the Bible is um, God's final authority on the issues to which it speaks. That we can learn about other parts of life through things that the Bible doesn't talk about. But if the Bible talks about it, we believe it is, it is true. And if it is, if that's where we find truth, we need to be real serious about how we study and learn and understand it. So we talked a little bit about hermeneutics, about you know the a grammatical, historical approach, really understanding what the author meant when he wrote it, and kind of a really studying what it means approach versus a what I feel when I read it approach. And then based on that, that's how we determine what is true, what is right, and what is good. And so that leaves a handful of, I still feel like, pretty big picture questions left for us to answer. So, Mark, where do we go from here? Well, I mean, so we're talking, we're saying the Bible is the place of authority, which, by the way, I just, I keep on thinking about this. Um, I, I think this question of, of where truth is found. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one, you even, you mentioned a little bit that this is, it's not a new question. Um, it feels like it is a bit of a hot button, like, okay, like there's, there's multiple places that there are things that are true. Um, but you know, my, you know, you know that I, I love, uh, India and have studied a lot of Hindu life and culture and, uh, something I found really interesting. They've got a, a chant that they have been, uh, chanting for you know centuries and uh it starts out with please lead us from untruth to truth Mm. and it's this prayer this this request of the deity please please give us direction into where truth is found and so this searches yes it's not a new one that's good um and the question of you know where do christians find it in the bible it's a pretty incredible thing that god has revealed himself and we have it in our hands, you know. Right. That's, a, That's really good. But what does the what does the Bible say about itself that we're saying that it has authority? Does it does it claim that authority? That's a really like, good question. Like, like why would we? Why would you even? Why would you believe that? Right. I mean, like, why? There's a lot of books. Yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, but, and a lot of books that say a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, there's. It's it's not the only. It's not the only holy book. Mm-hmm. Right. And. um there are other really good books out there, and 
You can learn a lot of things from a lot of different books. You can learn a lot of things from pure fiction books. I mean, there's lots of ways to learn. Like, what is it? Was it about this? And you know, this is going to be, this is, I'm going to give the wrong answer first, but the wrong answer is also kind of right. I mean, for most people, their experience of whether or not the Bible is true is really going to be experiential. Like, just as far as like the process, your experience with the Bible isn't what makes it true, isn't what makes it true, right? But it is probably the journey that us, we most of us go through where someone hands you this book or you are in a context in which people are talking about it and you read the words, you hear the words, and God just shows up. And your personal journey with God's word, you're going to have your own kind of story about the first time you really read it for yourself or the first time you really were committed to studying or sitting under someone who is teaching you what God's Word says. As with any sort of relationship, um, its authority and its power and your trust in it is going to grow through time and experience. But that is not a great epistemological answer to your question. We'll use that, drop that word back on you guys again. It's not a, it's not a mm-hmm. you know... You know, you don't want to believe that a book has authority unless it actually does. And as you kind of learn and grow in your trust of the Bible, one of the things that you will discover is that the Bible makes this claim. It, it claims to be the words of God. And the most significant passage on this, and it is, it is, it is, highly, it is highly well known, it is the it is it is the go to foundational verse on this topic, and it's in Second Timothy three sixteen. And I will add seventeen because I like it. It says all Scripture is God breathed and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And it's interesting that kind of the way that it ends there, basically it says that the ultimate aim of the Bible is that God's people would be thoroughly equipped for all the good things that God has for them, which to me has a connection to another passage in Paul where Paul talks about that God saved us to do works that he prepared for us. And then he's telling Timothy later, here's how you get equipped for those you're equipping for how to do good things, to, to do what God has called you to. To answer, answer the question we talked about last week, what is true? Who should I be? What should I believe? What should I do? What is right? What is wrong? You want to be equipped for all of those situations. That's what the scripture is for. But the deeper, more powerful thing that he says there is that all scripture is God-breathed. And you think, bro... God breathed isn't a word. <laughs> How do a lot of translations translate that instead of saying God breathed? Um, inspired. Inspired. Yeah. Like if I said, if I just told you something, a book was inspired. What images kind of come to your mind? What makes something inspired? Yeah, uh, like somebody that was inspired to write a song, you know, saw a, a beautiful sunset, and right. that gave them some inspiration to feel good and to want to write it. Yeah, so I, I saw something and felt something, so I wanted to write it. Mm-hmm. Or you can have a cheerleader behind you. Mm-hmm. So I thought about God, and I was inspired by him, 
So I wrote this. Or God inspired me, which was, hey, buddy, you can do this. Right. And I felt inspired to do it. Um, and ins- inspiration is a good word. It's not a bad word, but it can have some different meanings. But the word here that Paul uses is actually, a, it's a word he made up. It's a compound word, like car wash, right? Two words, put them together. And it is, and it really does, it's theonoustos, which is literally two words smashed together, God breathed. And so I like the translations that translate it that way because it forces us to wrestle with what that means. What does it mean to say that something is God-breathed? And if I say something came from your very breath, I mean, I mean the, the, the biggest thing that I feel about that is it's, it's a source. If it came from your breath, it came from you. It came from deep inside of you. Mm-hmm. And not to get to cross-referencing too quickly, but when you think about the breath of God, when the breath of God shows up, it, it's a symbol of life all the way from Adam, all the way through a lot of the Psalms, talking about the breath, the air, the spirit of God comes into something, it gives it life. And so what Paul is saying, when you are reading the scriptures, you are experiencing something that is full of life and comes from God himself. And to me that is very powerful so like I said, most people will start on a journey with, hey, man, when, 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 I, when I read it, cool things happen. I think we experience that first. I think you read it, you learn, you grow, you experience God. You experience life being breathed into you. And then you, re- then you start reading and studying enough, you realize, hey, that's just kind of, it's built in. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Are there other verses that, that you like that kind of speak to? Yeah, I'm trying to remember the reference. You may be able to call it where the, the writers of Scripture were moved along. Um, talks about that they were, uh, you know, you, you, you get a picture that they were in control, but at the same time very much driven. Men by, moved by the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. spoke from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and it also talks about spiritual ideas being put into spiritual words. Mm-hmm. And that there really is kind of a next level process here. And, um, that, and, and I think it's very clear. So when Paul, some people say that when Paul wrote that, that he was really only talking about the Old Testament because that was the only scripture it was. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't say the law and the prophets, the Torah. He doesn't say that. He just says scripture, which is written words that come from God himself. But I think it's very clear that Paul viewed the things that he was writing as, as coming from God because, I mean, he says, he says things like this, like in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, if anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things that I'm writing to you are commands from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Or in 2 Corinthians, Thessalonians 2, he says, So, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Yeah, and something that's always been some fun passages for me are the places where he goes, hey, in this little part right here, 
this little part, mm-hmm. I got some opinion going on here. Yeah, this is, this, this, <laughs> so, is, this is from me. Right, which which to me is like, oh, so so he's saying that, hey, I have to pause right here and say that, you know, this is a different little section here as right. I write this part of this letter, which means it brings attention to the rest of it. That Yeah. Yeah, and so I can't prove to you that the Bible is true and from God because it says it is. Because like we said, there are plenty of other places, other holy books that would say that they are God-sourced. You know? Um, but I think it is important as we as Christians, as we recognize, hey, this is, this is the book that tells us about who Jesus is. It is a book that we all find powerful. We find it informative. We find it life-giving in some way and at least somewhat authoritative. Well, as I consider that, um, one of the things that the Bible says about itself, if I'm going to take, if I'm going to take this word, this work seriously, one of the things that it says is that that it does have ultimate authority. And the thing that is challenging, and Peter addresses this too in Second Peter three, where he references Paul. And, and it's really interesting the way that he phrases this. He talks about that some people like to mis, misinterpret Scripture because they're hard to understand. And he's like, you know, some of the things that Paul said, he said and I love that he agrees with this because he says something really cool. He says a lot of things that Paul says are difficult to understand. And some of you don't like them. And um, he wrote these things to you, and they're hard to understand. <laughs> there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the rest of the Scripture. And so the interesting thing there, I mean, he, he basically lumps Paul's letters in with all of Scripture. Right. But then also just kind of talks about the process by which, I mean, there's going to be some things that you read from Paul you're not going to like. And you're going to, there's going to be some things that are going to be difficult to understand. And honestly, that's going to be true in the whole Bible. It's going to be true. You're going to read some things you don't like. You're going to read some things that are hard to understand. And people are going to want to distort that or discount that. But that's just kind of what people do with the Scripture. But, but, but you want to, just in our beloved Paul wrote, and according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all of his letters when he speaks to them of these matters, like consider you, have, you need to put your faith and trust in the wisdom of it. Even if your reaction to it is I don't like it and I don't know if I understand it. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that's a I think that's a challenging I think that's a challenging thing for us. For sure. <laughs> I mean cuz we 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 live in a place where I mean, I don't know about you Mark, but I'm a free American. Are you a free American? I am. You want to feel like you should want to stand up and sing a song about it? Like 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 we just we have this we have this attitude of just kind of like I'm a free American. I'm an independent thinker. I have freedom of speech. I have freedom of thought. I have agency. I can believe what I want. I can do what I want. And all of those things are true, I guess, in the context of being an American. Or really even just being a human created in the image of God. Um, but you can misapply those things. And I think a lot of times that we'll, we will do that and we will misapply this freedom that we have to then believe that I am my own authority on what is true, and that sometime, somehow I can have my own authority to determine 
what parts of God's word are acceptable and unacceptable. Yeah, you you dropped the word authority about five times there. I think that's where our issue comes. Yeah. If someone if if someone or if the if the the word has authority, that means that we have to yield to it. Right. And if it conflicts, as long as it's agreeing, <laughs> everything's great. But when it disagrees with me and it demands something of me that's different than than what I think it should demand, now I've got a problem. Right. <laughs> I got to deal with you know I got to accept or push back against. Yeah, I mean. I, I give this is I mean this 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 is a big deal to me. I mean I I I've, I've been you know, I've been challenged on this and pushed on this. I mean, I think the very first time I heard somebody talk about this was 32 years ago when I was a um a college student and taking some religion classes and just really kind of opening up this idea of, well, I mean, maybe 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 we, maybe we don't have to believe this, or maybe maybe we can just discount this section. And usually, it kind of starts with sections of it that are are, are off putting in some way because God behaves in a way that don't make sense, like in Joshua or in Book of Revelation, or some things that are culturally difficult, like um, some of the things that Paul says. But it's one of those things that once you start, it's hard to stop. You get rid of Paul, you get rid of Revelation, you get rid of Joshua, you got to get rid of some stories in Genesis. Then you start looking at the Gospel of John, and that seems weird. And you start, and, and next thing you know, what you're doing is you are crafting a Jesus and a God that conforms to your predetermined notions of who he is. Mm-hmm. And we said this a couple of weeks ago, um, depending on when you're listening to this, probably in a month or so ago by now. Um, as you think about what God's word says, you really have a couple of choices. Am I going to let God's word shape my mind or am I going to let my mind shape what I believe to be true about God? So one of those two things, those two things are battling all the time, what God Mm. says and what my mind believes. Those two things are always going to battle. Every time you're reading and you're studying, if you're really allowing God to speak, he is going to challenge things that you believe, challenge values, challenge actions. He's going to be challenging you. And there's always going to be this battle. And what are we allowing to happen? Am I allowing God to shape my worldview, to shape my view of myself, to shape my view of who he is? Am I allowing him to shape me? Or do my predetermined ideas about who God is shape what I think about him? And then ultimately, then I've got to, I've got to do the same thing to his word. Mm-hmm. Well, this doesn't feel like God to me. This doesn't sound like God to me. The God I believe in would never do this. The God I believe in would never say this. And this is one of the harshest things I've said, and you've probably heard me say this half a dozen times, at least from the stage. Like, what the, the God I believe in, well, let me tell you about my God. It is one of the most irrelevant things that people say. Right. It does not matter what your God believes. It only matters what the God believes. And... When your God and the God come into conflict, you better worship the God. Is there a nicer way to say that? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, whatever you say, again, an authority piece, like there's, there is one that wins, <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, and it, you know, like I said, I've been I've been battling this with people off and on for thirty plus years. This idea, and I and I think I really have strived over the last, you know, especially the last 10, 15 years. I want to be I want to be gentle. I want to be kind. I want to be flexible. I want to be teachable. You know, and and what we do as a church has changed, and we've worked really hard to deeply and fully understand the scripture. And if somebody has a different approach, a different idea, I want to hear it. But there is a level at which of our understanding about what is true and where truth comes from, where a really inflexible part of me comes out. And that is that God's word shapes me. I don't shape God's word. And even as we are debating, even if I find myself debating this with some person, I want to hear, I want to listen, but I'm really not movable off of this. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I don't believe that we should be. Because I think once we get into this idea that I have the ability to determine what is true independent of God's word, and we start to think, well, maybe I, maybe I don't want to believe that, or maybe, maybe, maybe I can just discount this. To me, it's an earworm. It's, it's an earworm that kind of gets in your brain and kind of takes over. And I think you're right in saying it's an authority battle. There is a part of my brain that does not want to relinquish authority mm-hmm. to anyone or anything. And if I can come up with some way of thinking that allows me to regain control, to be my own authority, and yet still believe yet still kind of be fond of Jesus, be fond of the Bible. I think our, our brain wants that. But I, I, don't, I don't believe that that is, a, that is a healthy way for a Christian to think. Mm-hmm. You got any pushback on there? Because I mean, see, this is me just kind of... No, but I think it, it does. What we don't realize when you start walking down that path is that we're putting ourselves in the position of God with that authority that now we're deciding Right now we're and uh, the idea that you know it's all relative and what's true for you is is fine and what's true for me is fine and we but with anybody with common sense at some point there is a truth though that's I mean the, right. again the, the Hindus for for ages have been seeking after not untruth but truth there there is a truth right and so and whatever that truth is does have authority and uh, for me to say that I'm that ultimate source of truth. Nobody wants to say that, but that is when we begin to take that position. That is what we're doing. Yeah, and then people will push back and say, well, that's really arrogant of you to think that you can know what the truth is. And like, no, I'm, I'm not arrogant enough to think that I know what the truth is. I am humble enough to say this is where I believe truth comes from. And I am trying to be studious enough and faithful enough to work really, really hard to understand what it means. And what I understand the Bible to mean has, has changed over time. And that changes the more I read it, the more I study it, the more I'm around good guys like you and we can read and study and wrestle together. And we wrestle. Hey, do we really understand what the Bible says about this topic? Have we really thoroughly researched and understood everything that the Bible says about this topic? And again, if you are here last episode, you know, there's where do we find truth? How do I understand God's word and what do I do about it? Man, I always want to wrestle. I don't ever want to think that somehow I have arrived at a point in my life where I fully understand everything God says about every subject that is contained in his word. That is overwhelming arrogance. Or that somehow on top of that, 
on what we do. I am doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing. I'm more than happy to be rebuked up there. I'm more than happy for someone to say, I don't think that you're understanding that passage correctly. I don't think you're understanding his word correctly. Well, let's talk about it. Let's dive in. Show me what passages you're talking about. Why do you think that? But this is all rested on a foundation of ultimate authority on life comes from God through Jesus, primarily through his word. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, that is the foundation upon which our church is built. And really, the, the Christian faith forever has been built. Mm-hmm. And so I think we need to learn where we need to be open-handed, and we, we want to be constantly learning, but it also needs to be built on a foundation of a, of a trust in the authority of God's Word. Can I ask a clarifying question? Yeah. So you said that over time you have... You know, there's some things that you've moved a little bit on or that you've, I forgot the, exactly how you worded mm-hmm. it. But when you say that, I'll, I'll let you, I, I would say what I assume you're saying, mm-hmm. but I'll ask it first. So what, what, uh, what do you really, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, have I, you changed? I can, I can give, I can, I mean, there was a time when I would have said that I was a very staunch believer in a premillennial, pre-tribulation end times. I don't think I believe that anymore. I don't think that is the best way of understanding what God's word says is going to happen in the end times. I mean, that is just a a really simple off the top of my head example. So the tr- so the truth didn't change. Your your interpretation of it, the clarity I, that you have around what I, that truth is. I used has to believe better. things. Right that upon further study of scripture turned out to not be true. Right. And I think more, I think a better example of that would be something along the lines of what does it mean when it says that God hates sin? And am I supposed to also hate sin in the same way that God does? And what does that mean about the way that I, I treat sinners? I think, the truth about who God wants me to be and how he wants us to approach that has always been the truth. But I have certainly softened in the way that I love people who are neck deep, fully embracing sin. Mm-hmm. I think I used to have a much more judgmental heart. And I think without changing what I believe to be sin or not sin, I think God has revealed to me that in, in a passion to call something sinful— because the Bible says it's sinful in a commitment to that one truth, I was neglecting another truth of kindness. And so, my again, at the top of the pyramid, who I am has shifted because of a deeper understanding that there is more going on in a situation than whether or not it is or is not sinful. It is or is not sinful, but how I treat someone, even if they are doing something that is sinful... I have, I have, I feel like God has repackaged those truths together to make me a different person. So there are some theological points, like on the end time stuff, that I've changed because I believe God's word says something different than what I thought. But then there are also just some deepening of a lot of different truths and God helping me package them together to be a different sort of person. Mm-hmm. I think those would be my two 
greatest examples of what you're asking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just feel like there's, I could bring up several myself, uh, maybe grace being the, the primary that I started out with like a, a view of grace. That was maybe a window that was pretty foggy and I, I got the concept, but in practice still saw my works as having a whole more value and, um, and grace having some part, like maybe I was meeting halfway grace and my works were kind of meeting halfway, even though if you ask me, I would tell you that it was by faith and God's grace that, you know, he, he did that all the work, not me. Right. And then over time it's like, Oh, I see more and more and more clearly in that passage and that passage and start to embrace, Oh, it's a hundred percent his grace. And my works are a response to his love for me. And, um, so I haven't, the scripture never moved. Right. God's grace was huge and hasn't changed, but my understanding of it. I think too, I think I, when I was young, I had a real transactional view of my relationship with God. If I was obedient, he would make sure my life worked out great. And so disobedience caused things, bad things to happen. Obedience caused good things to happen. Yeah, karma. And um, yeah, I, mean, I think it was a Christian version of karma that I believed in rather than life happens and God is always good. And my faithfulness, there is, there is not a direct correlation to my faithfulness and the pleasantness of my circumstances. Mm. So I think there was something that I believed to be true, but it was really based on some mediocre teaching and my own heart rather than really what the Bible says about life. And um, and for people who lead us growing up, it's also a good way to twist your arm to be moral. Yes, good way to get <laughs> if you're you, not, you, then the bad good way to keep you coming back. Yeah, I mean, there and you know, not to speak against that, there are consequences. But you're right. There's yeah. a lot of people who have done everything right. Yep. And you look at it going, well, well, hold up, this doesn't seem to jive. Well, it is obvious we, you and I, could keep talking more and more. Um, but we got to keep going. And, um, to me, we've still got, I feel like one really big question left to ask. We'll tease it for next time, but we've got one more big question. I think that we need to ask about whether or not we can really trust the Bible we have. And so we'll we'll get back to that, um, in next episode. And as always, Mark, thanks for being here. And thank you guys for being here, joining us at the Grove Church Cultivate podcast. And we'd love for you to find us at thegrovechurch.org slash connect. Whether you are local or not, we would love to connect with you, get to know you, whether you can attend our services in person or stream online. We would love for you to be a part of that. Thanks for joining us on the podcast and hope you have a blessed day.